Welcome to La Taverna Friuli Wines, the definitive podcast on wines from Friuli, Venezia, Giulia. I'm your host, Wayne Young. Okay. Here we go. Ah, Shanisha's already here. Wow, Dan Perlman is here. Oh my God, these are really important people that we got coming in here. Welcome to Clubhouse, everyone. I'm going to actually like invite everybody up on the stage um, while I get uh, people pinged in here as well. Sue Tolson as well. See that? We've been gone for so long that the people were just dying to get back in here with us. Started missing us. They did. They started missing. Did that, you miss us, all of you? Did everybody miss us? <laughs> Ricardo's here. Hang on a second. I'm going to... um. Yeah, I want to bring some people up on the stage. Hang on a second. So I'm going to invite people up. It's been so long since I've used Clubhouse that I don't remember. Invite to speak. Invite to speak. Now I feel much better. So if you want to come up on stage, feel free. If you don't want to come up on stage, that's fine. Dan Perlman, I can't believe you heard that. It's such a good thing. Hi, Sanisha. It's really good to see you. Welcome, everybody, to La Taverna. Welcome back after a long hiatus. We've all been on vacation. Summer, summertime. Yes. Robbie is here doing his thing. Nat's back. How are you feeling? I'm feeling um, happy to be back in La Taverna. Okay. And uh, of course, everything kicks in now. We begin the new year. No? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So I'm pinging some people into the room. Um, some people here who I know who really love to uh, to come in, but uh, once we once we get that uh, out of the way, I am going to start and I'm going to introduce our very very special guest. Yes, Julio, do you have a question? Uh, no, I haven't a question, but uh, I am saying that the if you begin now, yes, you're like a new wine that just in these days is starting. To work for the future. Exactly. Beautiful. Exactly. We're all going to improve, hopefully. <laughs> that's, hopefully. That's, that's the whole point. But anyway, okay, let's get started. Um, you know, Nat, you have no idea how important Mr. or Dr. Dottore, no? Giulio Colomba is. I don't he, think I do. I, I know that slow food is world famous. I know that it's very important when I work and talk to people about Italy and food and wine experiences, and that's what they want, which all comes from from that idea. So uh, tell me more. My so, microphone just made a funny... Uh, that's okay. Okay, sorry. That's all right. Don't worry. <laughs> so um, Giulio Colomba was the president, the head of Slow Food in Friuli Venezia Giulia, right? Yeah. For, and weren't you even the, the vice president of, of the entire... Thing. Slow Food International. Slow Food International. So yeah. an important guy. So, and, you know, we're talking about the era when, when you got Trebicchieri, it was a big deal. Um, you got Trebicchieri, you sold out of your wines. You know, so they had like the, the awards, right? One, two, and three bicchieri, you know, three glasses. And so when you got three glasses, 
from so it's, it's, slow food. It was it's like five stars. Right? It's like a Michelin equivalent of of like five stars. Wow. It's it's like the top of the top. Okay. You know, of all the thousands of wines in in Friuli of uh, in Friuli, but in Italy, very few reached Trebicchieri, and everybody waited. You know, every year for the Trebicchieri list to come out because it meant success. Um, so Giulio, I would you know. Uh, first of all, I want to tell a little story about Giulio that has nothing to do with wine. Um, and he, maybe he'll be embarrassed, maybe he'll laugh, but whatever. About five years after I came to Friuli, um, I met Giulio either for a tasting or for some sort of event. And I remember coming up to him, and obviously I was trying to speak Italian. And he says to me in perfect English, he was like, how is it that you live in Friuli for five years and you can't speak a word of Italian. <laughs> Could you not speak it? I'm sure you I was Well, I was speaking it just really, really badly. And then, so do you remember this story? Julio? I remember. Uh, see. I remember. Yeah. So, so how am I doing, Julio? Is it getting better? Is my Italian improving a little bit? Much, much better. Thank you. And I was, from that moment on, I was like severely intimidated to speak Italian around Julio Colomba. So, and knowing that he speaks English so well, I would always be like, can't speak in front of you. <laughs> Just don't know Italian. Just so anyway. Thank you for coming here tonight, Julio. It's really, really a pleasure to have you here. Um, why don't you tell everybody who maybe isn't so familiar with you a little bit about you know your background and and when you sort of uh, worked with slow food and trebicchieri? Oh well, uh, <clears throat> slow food. Uh, slow food International was born on. Uh, 1989 okay. in Paris, but it was uh, already active in Italy with the name of uh, Arcigola. Ah, okay. Arcigola was founded on 1986, and we in our region in Friuli, we were among the first 10 groups in Italy. And so we started very early, and and then slow food or better Archigola uh, had a, a magazine whose name was Gambero Rosso. Okay, and it was owned for the majority by by slow food by Archigola. Uh, and later, uh, we as a movement, we went out from the property. But anyway, uh, Gambero also started to uh, make a, a guide of wines. So when, did, when was the first guide? The first was made on uh, 1987. Okay. Was made on that year, was published on that year, but the name was Vini d'Italia. Okay. 88. Vini d'Italia 88. Okay. Yeah. And it's still called Vini d'Italia today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But we don't work together anymore mm. you know, since uh, 2007. Uh, so, uh, when they make the second edition, uh, 
I was invited by Daniele Cernelli, who is a great wine taster mm-hmm. and wine writer. And still active today. Yeah, still active, yes. And Doctor Do- Doctor Wine, right? Doctor Wine. Yeah. I, I I still work with him. Ah, really? Really. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about that. And uh, well he invited me to uh, to taste wines. Then one day he said, please try to write something about the wines we tasted here of of that producer. And well, in in the evening I wrote something, and the following day he said, "Ah, you're able to write." <laughs> I said, uh, "Yeah, you know, <laughs> I have some <laughs> yep. some practice." I'm just a college professor, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and and so the the following year he said, "Okay, you will be the leader of the." tasters and of the writers of wine in Friuli. And I said, okay. And so I started. So it was Daniele Cernilli that um, sort of made you the head of of what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And how long did you run that? Because I remember I did the Trebichere tasting with you, I think in 1999. Well, I started on 89 to, to write, to sign uh, the guide of Friuli, and I stopped it on 2007. 2007. So that was the last year. When when Slow Food uh, went out from the partnership with Gambero Rosso. Okay. So Gambero Rosso still publishes the guide. Yeah. Slow Food is not it. Okay. All right. So I was wondering a little bit about the politics behind that. Who, because at one time it was together and now it's separately. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Gambaro Rosso is the magazine. Is the magazine. And produces and, the guide. And the guide. Oh, okay. And so Slow Food is. And separate. Slow Food has its own guide. Has its own guide now, yeah. yeah. Sorry, may I ask, because I'm learning as well. So, Go ahead. Um, Gambaro Rosso began as, a, as the Slow Foods Guide, in as, a way. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we can say yes. Okay. Yes, because uh, uh, we had the majority of the property. Okay. Of, so, of the um, but now it's separate. Yeah. So I'm wondering, does it mean that all Italian food is slow food? Would would an Italian uh-huh. from any region think of Italian food as known all over the world because of its simplicity, the quality of the ingredients, the, the farm to table, zero kilometer, all of this. Mm. I wonder if slow food is, by definition, or Italian food is inextricably slow food connected to... Do you see what I mean? You can't separate the two. No, I think that actually the tradition of food in Italy is... A slow tradition, and uh, slow food started its activity in the right moment, in the right time, when the interest of of uh, people for the food 
quality and for for the wine quality and so on were increasing. Uh, so uh, slow food uh, became a leader, an opinion leader, and still is an opinion leader. Um, is it true that it was a response to um, McDonald's being food. put, yeah, fast yeah, food yeah. being put in, what is it, Piazza della Spagna? In, Piazza di Spagna in Rome. Is that true? It's, kind it's a of? legend. It's, it's a legend, a legend oh, okay. but there is something true in, in this legend. I mean, we felt the, the need of... Uh, of giving value to the tradition of food. Uh, because in Italy, the tradition is so rich. Absolutely. It's unbelievably rich. Um, the same uh, meal is made in different ways in two villages which are close one to the next. And in the, sa in the same village, inside the village, in in two parts of the village, they have a little bit different recipe. Exactly. And, and in the same part of the village, two families have their own recipe of the same meal. They change something. Just a little just ingredient. Just a little. Yeah. And this, is, uh, this is, means a richness, an unbelievable richness of uh, the food tradition and food culture in Italy. So how does this translate into the world of wine? So obviously you can't have every family has its own recipe for wine, or can you? We can talk a little bit about that maybe in the context look, of Friuli. Uh, look, there is, uh, you, can, you can talk about industrial wine. You can talk about uh, uh, artisan wine and they are different and when you talk about artisan wine this means that every or each producer has its own way of making of working the same grapes of managing the same grapes okay you know the pinot gris made by uh, german is different of the Pinot Gris made by Lisneris. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you can compare that to, you know, a way a family in Rome would make a dish in one way and another family would make the same dish in another way. Yeah. Okay. So, Nat. Yeah, I'm, I'm just um, thinking, is that the same in France or Portugal or anywhere else where, you know, or countries with long wine-producing traditions, is it not the same? Does that make Italy unique, that each cantina produces, each wine maker is slightly different? Uh, come, the, our engineer comes to mind that had that fantastic cloudy... What's his name? Um, oh, um, what's his name? Uh, Roberto Ricardo is it from Spolaird. Spolert. Yeah. That was very, very interesting, you exactly. know. And and obviously here in La Taverna we speak to 
so many wine growers and exactly mm. that each one has their own is that not the same across the world for cantinas or is that something really italian i think Good question i think that uh, everywhere there is a long tradition of wine making the situation is the same right when you talk of Bordeaux wines or Bourgogne wines. If you don't know the producer, you don't know the which wine, wine we, you will get when you buy it. Okay. You, you must know exactly or you have to try it before you buy. Exactly. exactly. Because, so. for instance, if, if you go to Bourgogne, uh, you see a vineyard. You imagine, you see, the vines are all the same. They look like the same, exactly the same. And you imagine, okay, I look around, I see, I don't see any border. Well, there will be one producer here. No, there are 18 producers. <laughs> and you are not able to distinguish where the border is between one vineyard and the next one producer property. and another yeah. yeah it's interesting it makes me think of the conversation we had with paul bulk about countries language and how all of these things at some point have crossed they're not clear the differences aren't clear you well, know it's even, it's even more so in a place like bordeaux where you literally have like one row of vines for one producer and literally the row right next to it is a completely different producer so we're not even talking about slovenia and austria we're talking about literally vines a meter away from each question other. is do those wine producers different wine producers who have the vines next to one another literally does Make the wine taste wine. the same no no they, if they make no. if they're both making a, no. a a cabernet or no they would make no. pinot noir and no no, maybe not. Faux pas, okay. No, and when even if they harvest the grapes in the same day, the wines are completely different. They bring them, they bring the wines, the uh, the grapes uh, into their own cellars. You will have two different wines. Sure. No sure. way. <laughs> <laughs> so in your tenure as sort of the head of, because I remember people, people talking to me about this when I came to Friuli, and after I had the pleasure of tasting there, somebody said to me, you do realize that it was Giulio Colomba that brought Friuli sort of into the international spotlight through the Trebicchieri Guide, through the Vini d'Italia. Because during your stay there, we mm. were, Friuli wines were basically the third most uh, awarded wines in, in, in the guide. It was like, yeah. you know, obviously Piedmont yeah. and Tuscany first and second. You yeah. know, maybe they flip flop back and forth. But then yeah. Friuli was third place. We're talking about like a, a, a region that makes 2% of, of Italy's wine. So exactly. how, how did you do that? <laughs> how did you? What did you? What was sort of the struggle there? Yeah, there was a struggle, but it was a struggle easy for me because because we had excellent wines, 
mainly white wines, but sometimes also some red wine. And the quality was uh, so high that it was impossible uh, uh, not to award these wines. Okay. You know, and so... Did you have to, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, basically the wines get presented in sort of a finale mm. and then the, the, the award winners are chosen. So were you able to sort of lobby for the wines that you thought no, look, deserved uh, Trebichieri? Uh, we, uh, we were making our tastings in a, um, blind tastings. Okay. And, uh, and then we were selecting the wines that could become Trebichieri. The, then uh, the white wines, uh, not only from Friuli, but also from Veneto, uh, were uh, tested by a, a group of tasters coming from Rome and from, uh, from Bra. Uh, Bra is the city, the city of slow food. Slow food, yeah. Mm. So people coming... But uh, the tasters were people from uh, Lombardy, from Sicily, doesn't matter. And, and this group of uh, around 10 people uh, uh, decided, uh, in blind tasting again, uh, decided which were the three glasses wine. Oh, okay. So it was, so, it was blind even in the final. Oh, yes. Really? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. I always And so that. sometimes there were some strange uh, results. I mean, <laughs> I mean when, when some of, of the tasting people uh, thought that they, they knew uh, the producer of the wine because they found something that reminded them uh, the author of the wine, and so we are pushing, or and and then when when you discover the wines, uh, you realize that no, it was completely another producer. <laughs> ah, okay. Uh, you know, but uh, that that was funny. But uh, you know what was important for me during the tastings, not the final tastings, but the first selection was to tell to all people who were trying wines with me, that we were uh, judging a work of a person, of a wine producer who worked for one year or more to present this wine. And so we had to be respectful for this work. I like that, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I often see... You know, online these days where people comment and things like that, that people would put up comments on this wine is terrible or it's undrinkable mm. or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I would always sort of come back and say, hey, somebody worked really, really hard to make that wine. Maybe you don't like it, mm. but, you know, to insult the wine or say it's disgusting or undrinkable, it's just like, well, maybe it's just not your style. Um, but yeah, but it always really disturbs me. So I really love the fact that you sort of 
brought that kind of philosophy into the tasting saying, you know, let's be respectful because this is somebody's work for a year when, you know, that's their canvas for the year. It'd be wonderful if, if it were like that for all art, because I guess that's one of the risks you take as an artist of any sort, if we want to call winemakers artists of some sort, some that there's, they're going to be, you know, there's the good reviews and the bad reviews and it's subjective to a, to a large extent. No, even though you will all agree, it's still, hmm. it's a subjective thing as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, so during your during your time there, so there was this sort of boom of of Trebicieri wines from from Friuli. So was there sort of a, a a more detailed understanding of the wines from the region? Was there a need to sort of give prizes to more white wines because obviously the big two regions, uh, Piedmont and Tuscany, were red wine powerhouses. And so now we needed a white wine powerhouse too. Was that was that a little bit of the motivation behind it, or you know what what was sort of? I don't know. I don't think so. I no. think that it's simply the high quality of the wines okay. uh, were the winners. Okay. You know, and and uh, I think that uh, the quality of white wines. Uh, of Friuli uh, for many years was uh, much higher than the average quality of the white wines in Italy. But then new regions, new areas started to uh, improve their production to imitate the Friuli wines. Okay. I think that going to, to uh, another country, to Istria, that is part of, of Croatia. Mm. For instance, uh, years ago they used to make a Malvasia Istriana that was almost undrinkable for us. Really? Now they make uh, Malvasia Istriana in the way we in Friuli used to make for years and years and years and and their quality is higher and higher much higher yeah the same happened with uh, slovenia here at, at our borders for ribola gialla i remember the first time i was going there and and trying some uh, local ribola gialla I couldn't understand this that sort of wine. Okay. But now, <laughs> now they make excellent ribola gialla. Exactly. And they make the ribola gialla like in Friuli. So do you think the the excellence of the winemakers in Friuli sort of rubbed off on these, these yeah. nearby regions? Yeah, but then I, I, I would add, add another thing. Uh, we use it... Um, uh, a group of us used to make public tastings after uh, the guide was uh, published and known, public tastings in Cormons of the uh, awarded wines. And many of the 80, 90, 100 people who 
used to come to these tastings were other wine producers who could know what was the quality awarded by an important national guide. Okay. And they improved their production. They started trying the wines of the other producers, compare the wines, and trying to understand how the other wines were better than theirs. Was this one of your goals to try yeah. and sort of yeah. raise, you know, high tide raises yeah. all boats? Yes. Yes. Okay. And you yes. succeeded, obviously. And we succeeded, yes. Okay. So, you know, you had some good producers, you know, we, we know the big names. Mm -hmm. uh, and then tasting those award-winning wines, other producers were uh, sort of incentivized to improve yeah. their quality as well. Yeah. Following that, that's okay. And this was something that you consciously thought of. Yeah. Okay, because of the potential. Um, I want to take a moment just to sort of ask, because I have a couple of people on stage. I have Sinisa and I have Dan Perlman up on stage, and I wanted to ask them if maybe they had a question for you, Julio, and maybe mm -hmm. they, so Sinisa, Dan, let's let's start with Sinisa. Do you have a, a question for uh, for Julio? No, obviously not. Dan Perlman, unbelievable to see you here. Thank you. Dan, do you have any questions for Julio? I, I don't actually have any questions. I'm just enjoying listening to him and hearing a bit about the whole history. Cool. Okay. Sinisa, so, it sounds like you're here. Sorry, no, don't yeah. worry. No, I, I'm here. I heard I heard you, but I had problems with my phone. Don't sorry worry. about that. I have a little bit of bad connection, so if you lose me, that's why. Okay. Uh, well, you can hear the church bell in the background. Anyway, uh, yes, I did have a, a question for Julio. I've I've uh, I've had my fair fair share of uh, Friuli, uh, Istria, of course, where I spent my childhood days, uh, and so on. And now I live in Catalonia. And here in Catalonia, I work quite a lot with with the slow food uh, producers, restaurants, and so on. I was just wondering, uh, I have two questions basically for, for Julio. Um, one is uh, the slow food movement, if we call it that, does it have some kind of international connection uh, between the, the different regions uh, th th that are, are trying to follow those principles, uh, if I call them that, as number one. And the other one is... Uh, is it a fact because that's how i have perceived it that most most of the slow food restaurants that i go to here in catalonia they inherently uh, only serve uh, so-called natural wines with their food is that something that is uh, very common in friuli as well and other parts of the world where, where slow food is served or how how is uh, julio seeing that and what would be the comment uh, julio on that uh, okay. Thank you, guys. Very interesting to listen to you. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Sinisa. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, Julio. Mm, uh, so the food uh, has tried to uh, to uh, make uh, to make an, an international movement made by national associations. And so, for instance, we had traditionally a strong German association, British one, uh, United States. Uh, uh, in Spain, we tried some 
times to make something, but we have never been successful. But anyway, mm, I I remember I went in Catalonia once uh, in uh, Girona. Uh, we made an international uh, an international meeting of food uh, leaders of all the world, and well, we. Mm, uh, we uh, we have never been able to uh, make something international with uh, the wines apart for the meeting that we make uh, every two years uh, that is called Terra Madre and and the Salone del Gusto uh, um, where we have the opportunity of having these uh, exchanges, these uh, uh, connections uh, uh, among people and producers from all around the world. Uh, well, um, um, I hope uh, I, I have uh, I have given the, the, the answer we, you were waiting for. For Absolutely. The, thank, th uh, thank you so much, uh, for, for, <laughs> Signore Dottore. For the second question, uh, I can say that the so-called natural wines, uh, we call it, um, we call them macerated wines. Mm -hmm. You know, the orange wines uh, and so on. What well, do you think of those? Mm, uh, I like that, some of them. Some of them, okay. Some of them, for me, are excellent or super, but uh, some are very poor wines, um, not made in, in, in the right way, you know. Uh, but, um, well, there are only few few restaurants which uh, uh, give you practically only natural wines. Mm. But most naturals, uh, most restaurants have uh, uh, the wine list that includes uh, uh, includes some uh, natural, natural wines. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, I know that since Slow Food has made their own guide apart from from Gambaroroso, yeah, their big um, uh, their their big sort of philosophy is sustainability. Uh, you know, organic farming, all of this sort of thing. So they they push very hard towards that, yeah. that and, and value, which wasn't ever really sort of the focus of Trebikiri. Trebikiri was just absolute quality, and that's that's yeah. it. So I think Sinisa, maybe one of the things that's come out maybe over the last few years since they've divided, is that this sort of slow food movement and the slow food guide push towards these more natural style wines. So that that could be one of the the ideas as well. Um, I had a question for you because I remember something that somebody said to me one time, a long time ago, and, um, it had to do with it, with a, a very important producer in, in Friuli. And, um, I won't, I won't name names. And I remember that talking about Trebicieri and how it seemed like every year this producer won Trebicieri for something. And the comment that was made to me and that I'll say to you, and you can comment on this, or you can say it's crazy. They said, 
the guide needs their wines more than the wines need the guide. Mm. So what do you think? Do you think that that's true? Do you think that there were some wines that you sort of had to include? No, we had to include only the excellent wines. <laughs> that that's the truth. Yeah. And so, if if one year a, a big name here, a, a Faluga or a Yerman, did not make a good wine, you didn't feel compelled to somehow include them. Look, uh, Yerman for me is the number one in our region, and. Anyway, he <clears throat> had the same destiny of other producers when he built his new cellar. Okay. For two, three years, the quality of his wines slowed down, went down. Dropped, okay. Dropped. Not, not bad wines. Good wines, but not not like before. Like before. Why? Why is? Why do you say the destiny of other winemakers is that something because that you find is is happens every all? time? Really? When they build, they build a new cellar. A big. They fancy have cellar. a couple of years of uh, loss of quality. Hmm. I think uh, because they are too in, too much involved in 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 the building instead of the wine in the wine can i uh, ask a um, yeah. maybe yeah, a, a, maybe a stupid question i don't know the uh, the barrels and the tanks if they've put if all the apparatus that they're using to produce the wine is brand new does the wine taste better when it's been used a bit do you understand? So, so the fact that something is brand new, it almost, it needs to sort of be used a few times before it actually, is that a... <laughs> Good question. Good question. Giulio? Uh, look, um, the, the stainless steel containers have no problems if they are new or, new or right. not. They're always the same. Always sure. the same. Uh, the wood, the wood containers, then they sure. change a lot. They change a lot. So uh, it's important the choice made by the producer, because there are producers who love to uh, uh, to uh, transmit the taste, the, the flavor of of the wood to the wine. They are producers who say, no, uh, the, the barrel have, have to do its own job. That is to allow a gas exchange, an oxygen exchange, but very, very poor exchange. And this is uh, why they use the barrel instead of uh, looking for a taste or something like that. The flavor of wood. But yeah. then, you know, they, they, the wood gives, give, often gives uh, a little more structure to the wine, helps the wine to age. And, but if you go to Bourgogne, 
you see everywhere only small barrels, only barriques, but they change one-tenth of, of the, the, the old set of, of barriques every year. One-tenth? One-tenth. Okay. That means that usually the barriques are at least 10, ten years, years old. old. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, because their job is only that for, for the gas the exchange. Breathing. Ox yeah. Breathing of the water. Micro-oxygenation. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, sort of, has, has there any, any controversies? I mean, you know, we've all heard stories of like, you know, people trying to buy a Trebicchieri <laughs> score, right? Somebody trying to come in. I mean, I heard a story one time. I, I won't repeat the story, but I want to hear, has anyone ever sort of approached you with like a, a bribe? Obviously, you didn't take it. But I'm saying, did anybody ever try? Was that something that ever happened to you? Yes. <laughs> yes. Without naming the producer, can you can you tell me a little bit about what happened? Oh, it's, it's really interesting. It simply happened that they asked me, how can I get the Trebicchieri for sure? Uh, I am ready to pay a certain amount of money. Hmm? Look, unfortunately, we make our first selection. Then there is a group of other 10 people who come. I am not able to influence all them. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, and, and you will not be able to do that. So please forget it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, but they actually did try. Yeah, because, because you know, when... Uh, we are talking about 20, 30 years ago, 30 years ago. Well, uh, on that time, uh, the Trebicchieri was, uh, from an economical side, was very, very useful, very interesting. Because when you, have, when you had Trebicchieri, then you could sell that wine and other wines linked to that wine. So it was uh, a business. Absolutely. It, and that's not sort of the case now. The, the, the importance of things like Trebi, it's still important to get Trebi. Yeah, but now... But why, why do you think it has become less important? Uh, I think it has become less important because there are too many guys in Italy. Okay. And therefore, no one of them is able to, uh, to help the market of the wine of a certain producer. There is no way. Okay. And this is why now... And then if, if you compare the, the wine that are awarded by different, uh, different uh, guides, uh, you will see that... Uh, there are so so different uh, awarded wines. While uh, on that time, when 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 I was there with the guide Gambero Rosso, there were in Italy three guides. Uh, one was the sommelier guide, that was uh, important because was selling to the members of the association of sommeliers. That was the Duemilavini. Uh, well, it, it, yes, 
Yes. Okay. Yeah, 2011 was... That was the, the grappoli, no? Cinque grappoli. Yeah. Okay. And, and uh, but, but then, look, uh, the guide, uh, the Gambero Rosso guide made together with Slow Food uh, was selling alone more than all the other guides together. Uh-huh. All the sum of the, all the other, included Veronelli, who was the, the original guide. The original top okay. uh, guide. Uh, but uh, what, what was they, they, they were selling 7,000 copies per year. Uh, Maroni, 3,000 per year. And, and Gambero Rosso, how many copies? Uh, Gambero Rosso was sorry, uh, between, between 70,000 mm, 70, and uh, one year was, uh, uh, was uh, 120,000. Wow. Yeah. Just in Italian or in Italian and English? Just in Italian. Just in Italian. Yeah. yeah. That's in huge. The, That's like yeah. bestseller level. Oh yeah, it was uh, it was, it was like, something something very really very, important and really important. Yeah. yeah. So now you, you understand now why yeah. Trebichieri were so important. Yeah. Exactly. I have a question. Hmm. Um, can you name me three? Just because I'm 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 a neophyte, I'm learning. Can you name me three of the Friulani? Because I'm that's what I care about right now. Winners. Friulani, you mean like wine? Vini, see, I'm curious. You mean like what, made from Friulano or No, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm curious to know three wine producers, cantine, that, that mm. won, if you can remember three of them that well, won. Just, just, for just, my, because just I, ask him his three favorites. Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, it doesn't... He said Yerman. It doesn't mean that uh, they are my three favorites. Right? Ah, but, okay. okay. But, uh, but, two questions uh, there, two that. questions. <laughs> Nat, I, but, but, <laughs> I defer to you, so... But I can say... Three yeah. winners. Three winners. I'm curious, three Hello. winners. So, uh, one is uh, Yerman with his vintage Tunina. Uh, the other one is uh, Livio Feluga with uh, Terre Alte. The third one uh, for me is Josco Grauna, uh, which may, who makes uh, natural wines, orange wines, uh, with his uh, um, Breg okay. or with his uh, Ribola Gialla. Nat, Nat, pay attention. Mm -hmm. Three wines, all blends. Not one mono varietal, except for he mentioned the Ribola Java. What does from, that suggest? Uh, and I was going to ask What does Julia that about, suggest? Because Julia was also involved in, uh, not I wouldn't say a short-lived, but a program that was called Super Whites. Blending yeah. is best? <laughs> Sorry. Could be. Could be. So, um yeah, I, I remember I was really intimately involved in that too in the very beginning, the first edition. It was in New York, yeah. and Italian wine merchants and things like that yeah. with Fred Plotkin. Yeah. So what was it sort was of... 2000. Yeah, 2000, yeah. What was sort of the, the, the mechanics behind that? How did that, how did you get, is, is our blend still that important and how, how did that whole 
super whites movement begin? Uh, mm, we mm, we had a, a visit in Friuli by Carlin Petrini, who was the founder and who is still the leader of Slow Food. And during a dinner, at the end of the dinner, he said, uh, why don't you make something like uh, the Tuscany producers with, with their super Tuscans? You could make something with your white wines. Why don't you make super wise? And the producer who were surrounding him immediately said, oh, that's a great idea. And then Caroline said, told me, okay, go on now. <laughs> and so, uh, and, and so that was hard. But, but it, was, it was interesting because uh, you remember when we went to, to, to New York, it was the first experience. We had uh, almost 50 producers with us that because we wanted to give the image of a, a, a wide uh, group of producers of high quality. Okay. And if you remember, on that time, the first time, we made also a tasting uh, with wines of at least 10 years, 10 years old. And that I don't remember. And it was made in, in, by Italian, Italian wine merchants. merchants. Huh, yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, there were five wines uh, that had more than 10 years, and four of them were excellent. One was, well, so-and-so. So, so. But, okay. but anyway, it, it worked. But later... Uh, in um, when when we make the the following events of superwise all around the world, because after New York we went to to London to Berlin to Munich Seattle Seattle uh, Chicago yeah wow. uh, Portland in the United States yeah yeah but we made lots of events and. Every time with uh, at least 45 up to 60, 62 producers. Uh, each of them were, could bring only three white wines. And I still remember the first time, uh, the second or the third time in New York when people were coming, uh, the visitors uh, were coming and uh, trying the Tokai Friulano, and uh, they expected to have a sweet wine because they, they ah, Tokai. <laughs> because Tokai, you know, is a great, great sweet wine, right. hung Hungarian. And ah, uh, oh, but but it's dry. It's not sweet. But why? <laughs> so they were disappointed. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but then. And they were saying, oh, but it's good. Ooh, wow. You know, anyway, in the United States, the first request was for Pinot Grigio. Of course. Pinot Grigio. So right. it's funny. So, Sorry. So go, no, go ahead now. I've just written down Pinot Grigio because uh, I've just spent the last month or so in London at home with 
friends and family. And um, is it true that... Is it true that the best Pinot Grigio in the world comes from Friuli? I've been hearing it more and more. I'm watching bits and bobs on YouTube and... I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to let Julio answer because that question. Because the, the British, I mean, the, maybe, the British... May, maybe he doesn't want to touch that question either. It's a hottie. No, look, I, I compared... I compared many, many Pinot Grigio made all around the world. But then I decided that my taste is for the Friuli Pinot Grigio. But it's my taste. Right. You know, I, I don't want to, that all people believe in, in what I believe. I am for the difference and... And so I enjoy also Pinot Grigio made somewhere else in Germany or in Austria or in Slovenia or, uh, well, or in the United States as well. Mm -hmm. But, or Chile and so on. Does that mean that Pinot Grigio is generally grown in a cooler climate? No. Not always. Okay. No. Just thinking freely Austria. A, it's, a, it's a grape that finds easily uh, a, a way of growing and of producing. So uh, this is why it's, uh, uh, it's planted worldwide around, you know. But, uh, well, for me, it's not an excellent wine, the Pinot Grigio. But uh, I know that it's an easy wine. It's easy mm -hmm. to be drunk. And so this is uh, uh, why it is so successful. For me, Pinot Bianco is the top. I wanted or Pinot Bianco. Pinot Bianco, yeah. Or in, in Friuli or as a white grape in general? In Friuli and uh, as a white grape. So yeah. you prefer Pinot Bianco over Friulano? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Really? Absolutely. Okay. It's uh, more elegant and more, you know, it's a smart wine. So that's your favorite Friulian white is Pinot Bianco. But, but uh, for instance, I like some, uh, some uh, Ryan Riesling. Mm -hmm. uh, I find them at the top. Uh, among the white wines in the world, but they have to be dry, not not as often Germans make. A bit sweet. A, a little bit sweet, yeah. Okay. Do I have a question for Julia? This this is something that I say all the time. Do we make too many different kinds of wine in Friuli? Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you agree. Yeah, I agree, but uh, but there is no way to, <laughs> to change. To change, I've tried so many times uh, uh, saying, uh, talking with the producers and telling them, um, please, why do you make that variety? For instance, Chardonnay. Uh, why do you still make Chardonnay? And and you 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 make it. Only stainless steel. You don't use barriques, and and then do you realize that the final result is is a wine that is 
uh, has no 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 personality, mm. you know. Uh, and the answer no, would no. be uh, the answer is I have some clients, uh, some customers who uh. buy it regularly, and I go on this way. You know. But are they satisfying a small, relatively small number of people, and that perhaps they'd be more successful if they actually cut that in a way and focused more on, I don't know, what, two wines, three wines. What what should such small producers be? Look, there is one producer who make who made this choice years ago. This producer is Eddie Kebba. Okay. Eddie Kebba uh, had all the international varieties of white wines uh, and the local varieties. Now he makes only one white wine, whose name is simply Collio, made with the three traditional local varieties, Friulano, Malvasia, and Ribolla. Wow. Okay. And this is the only wine he makes with his own label. Okay. His son makes uh, another wine, but in Slovenia. Yeah, in Burda, yeah. But with Which is the, actually quite good. With the same varieties, but with a higher percentage of, of uh, Ribola Gialla, while the Collio has a high, very high percentage of Friulano. He made this choice, and this choice was successful. But it took years and years of um, narrowing the, 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 the varieties that he used to have. And uh, at the end, he uh, has saved most of his customers okay. who still go and buy his wine. It is not cheap. But it's of uh, high, high quality. high quality. And it's a wine that lasts... Uh, for many years. For many years. Yeah. I, I open his bottles only when they are, they are five years old, at least. You but, never call me when you open his bottles. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you could see some bottles that I open okay. probably... Yeah, but I don't want to see mm. empty bottles, Julia. I want to <laughs> see full bottles. <laughs> during, during the lockdown. We uh, okay. yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, I, I have Heather on stage here on Clubhouse, mm. who is a regular listener and very interesting. She has embarked on a, a, a journey, a voyage. She is collecting and tasting and blogging only wines made from Tokai Friulano in the United States. This is her mission. Wow. That's what she's doing. And she's a regular listener here. She's on stage, and I want to ask her if she has a question maybe for Julio. But I really, really love the fact, Heather, that you're, you're going on with this. So if you have any questions for Julio, jump in, Heather, and welcome. Thanks for coming. Hey, thanks for the introduction, Wayne. Um, yes, Julia, I've been enjoying your conversation. Thank you so much for coming today. I've really learned a lot from you, and I appreciate it. Um, I am also a big fan of the, um, I don't know how to pronounce it correctly. Was it, did you say Keber, his yeah, Koyo Keber. wine? Yeah. Yes. I drank one of those earlier this year, and it was so fantastic. Uh, my tasting notes have little hearts all around the, all the, <laughs> around all the little words. As, but, as um, they should be. 
Yeah, I was like, yay. So um, that is one of my favorites too. So I got excited when you mentioned that one. But yes, um, I, I I was going to ask you your opinion of Friulano and the scheme of white wines, but evidently that's already come out in the conversation. So, Well, I mean, I think it's still a valid question. So Julio, your, your opinion of Friulano in general? Uh, I think the, that it's... Uh under-evaluated because it's uh, an excellent wine that it's easy to match with the different sorts of food it's a wine that can age for many years if it's made well and um, I think that in the Collio but not only in the Collio area uh, there are some uh, excellent producers. I opened a magnum, you say magnum or magnum? Magnum. Magnum, magnum uh, one week ago of uh, a Friulano of uh, 2012. Wow. Uh, it was perfect. Who is Friulano, 2012. Coleduga. Coleduga, okay. Mm. Cormons. Do you have some preferred producers for Friulano? I'm sure Heather would be really interested to know that. Raccaro. Raccaro, okay. I have a bottle of Raccaro from, I think, 2010 or 12 inside mm. my cellar mm. somewhere. Uh-huh. Yeah, now, now you want me to invite you over to my house to open a bottle. So no, I, I have I, a bottle of Ricardo somewhere in my cellar. Yeah, that's old. I I have to start trying the bottles of 2016 of Ricardo. I have some uh, Magnum of uh, 2011, uh, but. Uh, so, Only two or three of them. So Ricardo is your top. Yeah, yeah. Heather, did you have a question? You were you jumped in there for a second. Yeah, I was just going to also add that I am also working on pairing Friulano with traditional southeastern United States foods because I find that they complement a lot of them. So yeah. actually, my son and I were documenting some of those this summer. We found some of my grandmother's old handwritten recipes from the, here in the Deep South. And so um, I'm trying to pair some of those and see how they go or don't go. That's really, yeah, one of the first times you came on, Heather, you had paired one of the wines that we were tasting with something something very typical from the South. What was it, do you remember? Brunswick stew. Brunswick, Brunswick stew, stew think, exactly. Yeah. So Heather, hi. I'm not, hi, Heather. <laughs> hi, Natalie, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good, how are you doing? I have a question, actually. Um, I, I want to know what other things that you, that you pair it with. I'm curious. What other dishes? Um, well, <laughs> well, you have to keep reading my blog. I will. There I'm going go. to. <laughs> she needs. She needs readers, Nat. I need. I'm um, right. Right. That's it. Tonight, when I get home, I um. So from the southwest, did you say? So where are no, we? No, southeast. 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 I'm in the. I'm in the Atlanta, Georgia area. My mom's family's actually from New Jersey, but my dad's family is from Georgia, uh, Florida, Brunswick, and well. Macon. So. Okay. And Florida, and Northern Florida, Greenville, okay. Florida. Yeah. So it's not like uh, Creole stuff. I'm not. It's completely different. No, not not. Yeah, it's a different type. This is um, what we call Bible Belt South. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay, interesting. Runs so it's got a lot more Scottish influences and in, in food. I see. Um, 
In fact, they say the Southern dialect actually comes from what the Scottish people would have sounded like in the 1500s when they came over. I've and a lot that, of our pronunciations yeah. are oh. very yeah. original to that. So, Okay. I'll check it out. Heather. Anyway, that's off topic. Uh-huh. But yeah. <laughs> cool. So we've been talking a lot about white wines, Julia. What about red wines? What about what are some of your favorites there? And and I mean, Friuli is famous for white wines, but obviously there are some reds as well. So that deserve attention. Uh, there is a Merlot made by Villa Rousses, Graf de la Tour. It's uh, a wonderful Merlot. Then. Uh, Then uh, Le Due Terre, Pinot Noir, mm-hmm. or Sacri Sassi Rosso. I just had the new Pinot Noir on Monday night. Mm. It was very good. And, uh, and uh, Livio Feluga Sosso. Mm. That's changed a lot over the years. Oh, yeah. Because I liked it better in the beginning. At the beginning was uh, only it Merlot. was only Merlot. Then uh, it was it became Merlot plus uh, Refosco. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, well, uh, what about our other red wines? What about some native varieties? You know, Refosco, Schiopettino. Are you a fan of those wines or not so much? Uh, well, uh, I love Pignolo. Okay. I was, it was in my mind. I was, I was waiting, I was thinking Pignolo, Pignolo, I've written it down, <laughs> yeah. Pignolo sometimes is a wonderful wine. Sometimes? Yeah, only sometimes, unfortunately. Uh, even if there are lots of producers who are involved in it in an attempt of incre- improve the, their quality. Julia, if I wanted to try a Pignolo without really uh, Schiopettino, Refosco, okay. If I wanted to try a, a Pignolo that's sort of acceptably priced, which one would you recommend I try? Gigante. Okay, I know Gigante. Gigante, uh, uh, yes, also the most recent um, uh, because I, I made a, a vertical tasting uh, from 2005 up to uh, not 2006 up to 2010 the top was 2008 and when I asked the price of these bottles I was shocked because i couldn't believe so, so high or so low so low oh, okay what would low be if i may be so bold to ask you what, what? you want to know i'm curious yeah. to know what you expected 25 25 yeah, euros that's low okay that's low do, do you think that wines in friuli are priced too low for the level of quality i've heard people complain about that for me some white wines are too low because uh, 
you know, I, I, I tell the producers, I can't understand that I can buy a, a Bourgogne, uh, a Chardonnay from Bourgogne, I pay 40, 50 euros uh, at the seller, seller price. Right. And here I pay 12 euros, 15 <laughs> euros for your wine, yeah. your top wine. Uh, it, in my opinion, you should sell it at least at 20 euros. As I say, ah, <laughs> for you it's easy, but we have to sell the wines. And if we go up to 20, then it's very difficult mm. to becomes a, a, a different category. Maybe if they were selling their wines, if, if there was more wine being sold in different markets overseas and stuff, maybe it would be easier because I understand from Wayne one of the problems in Friuli is because the producers are so small, it's often very difficult to, vi to find native writers abroad. Oh, yeah. you, have to, you really yeah. have to source them out and then they cost a lot, obviously, yeah. because they're small. special yeah. and, you know. Yeah. They're not mass produced. Yeah, exactly. I just met my friend Ricardo just came up on stage. <laughs> so I want to, he probably has a question. So Ricardo, did you have something you wanted to ask Julio? Here he is. Yes, for sure. Hi, guys. Hi, hi Ricardo. Hi, hi. Uh, um, Mr. Colomba, I want to uh, say thank you because uh, You're welcome. I want to say also hello. Uh, he was uh, my teacher at high school. Ah. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Nice. More than 30 years ago. 30 years ago. <laughs> Yeah, don't, yeah. Don't say yeah. that. You're making Julio sound old <laughs> over here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, only a, a little question. Uh, we speak uh, always uh, of um, about uh, the, the, the same uh, producer, big names. I want to ask you to Mr. Coloma uh, if uh, he can uh, um, make some... Uh, suggestion about new producer young producer smaller producers yeah good question Ricky. good question thank you <laughs> okay so um, the first name i have in my mind is uh, terre del faet in cormons is um, andrea drius is a, a guy who used to rent the vineyards and, and some years ago he started producing by himself uh, instead I've of... I've never even heard. Terre di Faet. Exactly. Okay. Right. Exactly. Write that down, Nat. We're going to have to check that out. And okay. uh, he makes an excellent, an excellent job. Well, another who is not so young but is... Uh, probably not so famous, is uh, Simone de Brassan. Uh, another one is Vosca. Ah, okay. Uh, uh, what else? Uh, well, I, I think you have a list of Those three are, of them. I think uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's good. It's, it's good. To start, for it's, starting. It's a good yeah. start, yeah. yeah. Are you still, I mean, we've talked a lot about the past. Are you still 
involved sort of in the wine world? Are you still tasting? Are you still writing? Yes, I am. Oh, good. I am with uh, with Dr. Wine. With Dr. Wine, okay. Yeah, I but uh, as I don't want to be involved with that, I used to be because <clears throat> uh, at the Gambaroso time, I usually usually uh, were tasting about 120, 140 producers. And it was really a very hard and uh, a very hard job during the summer. I had no holidays, as you can imagine. I, I remember mm-hmm. in, in 99 tasting with you. Yeah. And this is a true story. I would go up to um, in Mels, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. up near Mayano, and we would start at like nine o'clock in the morning, and we would do like four hours. And it was like battery after battery after battery, like this rapid fire going through these wines, all blind. And then we would have an hour's worth of lunch, and then we would go back and hit it again until like six o'clock at night. And I remember driving back from Mel's, it's a half an hour drive, and I was dead. I was exhausted. And I was spitting everything. I was not, I was not swallowing anything. That was my question. I'm no, wondering. I was 100% spit because I knew I had to drive home and I knew it was a long day and you have 100 wines. I, I couldn't, it, I would go to sleep like at seven o'clock. As soon as I got home, I would go to sleep. And I would wake up the next morning and go back up to Mel's. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And it was yeah. like, what, four weeks, six weeks? It was, it was a long oh, time. It was uh, three weeks. Three weeks, okay. Three weeks, yeah. Because the problem Hardcore. Was, the problem was that uh, usually the wines of our region are ready, are not ready, but are ready to be tasted at the end of. of uh, of uh, July. Uh, only when you are a very expert taster, you can taste them on June, May, June, and so But otherwise, you have to wait after, uh, after July. And so, and as you have to, to, to write down everything before, at the beginning of September, you have the, the, the line. Okay. Uh, the beginning of September. Yeah. So you would taste in July, write no, all August. No, July, July, only three, four days. Okay. And so the then beginning of August. up to August 14 or August 16, and then right, right, right until and then the right, right, right. Wow! And so uh, when I decided to uh, cooperate with uh, with uh, Doctor Wine with uh, Daniele Cernilli, I said I will do it, but I make only ten uh, producers on my choice. Okay. And uh, then I make twenty four, twenty two, but. <laughs> you started out with 10 you know, and, and yeah, uh, because, the 24. Because then it happens that at the last minute, he, Daniele calls me and he said, look, uh, we, we didn't, uh, we were not able to try the wines or to find the wines of that producer, please. Can you do them? Can you do it? Uh, and you say, okay. okay. Wow. You know? <laughs> it's a hard job. It's, everybody thinks that like tasting wine is like easy and fun, but you're worn out. But I have to say that... Uh, when we started, uh, it was much harder work because 
because the quality of the wines was very, very different. But now, after I make a selection of the wine producers I go to try, you know, I'm sure that it's not a hard job, oh. but it's a good job because we try good or excellent wines. Okay, so you've already of, done the, the cream of the crop, as they say. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, I can think of many other jobs that are much more awful than oh, yes. tasting wine. <laughs> oh, yes. I think it's a privilege and, in a way, is it not? Yeah. And uh, going back to the Friulano, I have to add only the last thing, that the vintage 2020 was a top vintage for that variety. Okay. Are you listening, Heather? 2020 Friulano, that's what you want to buy. So okay, so you highly recommend twenty twenty. <laughs> okay, I have a few of those already. I've actually tasted two there, of them already on my blog. So. There you uh, go. Good, okay. good, good. Good. I want to. I mean, we're we're about an hour and fifteen minutes in. I don't want to keep you too long, Julio. Um, what I do, I do want to finish up, and I want to ask you a little bit of a controversial question, um, and and you can decide not to answer if you don't like. But um, since you have left. The guide, Friuli isn't is no longer sort of in that top echelon anymore. It's no longer third. It's somewhere down around fourth, fifth. We've been surpassed by Alto Adige. We've been surpassed by maybe Sicily or something. Is do you think that it's there's a reason for that? Are the wines getting worse, or do the people who taste them not understand them, or is everybody else just getting much better? Good question. Well, the last thing you said is correct. Uh, many other regions make better white wines, better than they used to make. But at the same time, I have to say that the quality of the freely white wines uh, uh, has not dropped down. It's still, still very, very high. I think that there are no people with uh, strength able to uh, to uh, to show and and to show the, the the high the very high quality that the white Friuli wines have still. Uh, at, at such a, an, unbe an unbelievable level, really. So I, 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 I appreciate the white wines of also other regions, uh, Markev, for instance. Uh, I've tried some uh, Campania great white wines. Uh, Sicily, not so much, uh, but Alto Adige, uh, Trentino. Vento, I don't understand why they are awarded so much, but but it happens. And well, uh, so <clears throat> I think uh, there should be more more strength in our in in the local tasters and uh, and uh, unity among uh, the producers. Ah, it's a great <clears throat> it's a great uh, point. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, 
So we need we need sort of a champion, someone who goes in and presents the wines and you know you know champions yeah. for them in 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 these tastings. No, and that used to be you. Yeah, uh, we need you back, Julio. Got to get back in there and start fighting for us again. Come on, we'll we'll use you on a consultant basis. I want to enjoy my. <laughs> yes, you're retired now, so you yeah. want to take it easy. I don't blame you at all. All right. Um, if there are no more questions from the audience, anybody who wants to come up on stage, raise your hand. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna say good night. If there are no other questions from you, Nat, did you have any other questions no, that you wanted? Very interesting. Thank yeah. you very much, Julio. Very interesting all right. for me. Thank you. You're welcome, <laughs> Doctor Colomba. Thank you very much for taking the time to come out today and spending some time with us in the taverna. Thanks to everybody who came and, uh, and listen, Heather, Ricardo, Eleanor, Sue, Yelena, and Christine, um, who are still here in the audience. Thank you for coming and listening and participating. Um, yeah. And make sure you follow us on Facebook and on, uh, Wayne grape at Instagram. And, and you know, the podcasts are out. Exactly. And you know what? They're on Apple podcasts now too. Okay. They are out. So anywhere you guys listen to podcasts, Definitely jump in there and download and listen to some of the episodes. This episode will probably be up in, in a few minutes. So, but uh, thank you, Julia, for coming. You're welcome. Thank you, thank you. Have a good night, everybody. Hey, I want to thank everybody this evening for coming. Thank you for listening. I appreciate uh, Natalie Benlola, our co-host, Rob Milani, our sound guy. Follow me on La Taverna Friuli on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram at Wayne Grape. And you can find this awesome music on YouTube at Beat Ambassador. Finishes with an A. Thank you.